You're listening to Eureka on Monocle 24, brought to you by the team behind the entrepreneurs. I'm Tom Edwards. In the week of COP27, we're turning Eureka's spotlight onto sustainability and climate awareness. In particular, we're considering what is, I'm sure, a pressing question for Eureka's worldly and well-travelled audience. There's unprecedented scrutiny of long-haul air travel and to destinations that are especially vulnerable to climate change in particular. With the growing interest of consumers to be more intentional and sustainable in their spending in general, how should responsible travellers, indeed engaged global citizens, justify heading to places that are right on the front lines of the climate battle? Well, to explore some of these complexities and to better understand the fundamental role that tourism and on-the-ground engagement that it fosters can and must play in sustaining some of the most at-risk communities and ecologies, we spoke to Dominic Hamilton. Dom's the Director of Communications at Metropolitan Touring, the proudly carbon-neutral holding group for several properties in Ecuador and the Galapagos Islands, without question one of those front lines in the battle to safeguard our planet. So how did Dom end up in his role, and how does he make sense of all the complexities when operating in this space? How indeed has Metropolitan Touring established itself not just as Ecuador's leading DMC, but also as a pioneer of sustainable tourism in the Galapagos. Let's hear more about his journey. My name is Dominic Hamilton. I'm the director of communications for a large tour operator travel corporation called Metropolitan Touring. We're what's called a DMC, so a destination management company tour operator in both Ecuador, Colombia and Peru and we own and operate three ships in the Galapagos, three yachts in the Galapagos and then we have three small hotels, one in the Galapagos, one in the Cloud Forest and one in the capital, Quito. I grew up in Kew so I was dragged around Kew Gardens every time an uncle or a friend came in from out of town and I used to go into the hothouses, the amazing Victorian hothouses and the smell and that tropical kind of ambiance, something happened there, I remember. And so when I then travelled in my early 20s as a backpacker in South America, that kind of came flooding back, and I, I remember there was a connection there. And it was a connection with nature, and what it kind of did to my head, having grown up in a very urban environment in London. And I've wanted to stay close to that ever since. That smell of the leaves and the earth in the Victorian hothouse in Kew is what, when it starts raining in the rainforest, I'm like, oh, it's still there and I get it in, in the Galapagos and that connection to somewhere else or connection to something bigger, I'm not religious at all, but I find that being out in nature in places that are special or feel special. And Galapagos is really, it's otherworldly. It's not pretty like picture postcard, Tahiti little beaches and stuff. It's already quite special and then you're having these encounters with wildlife they have no ingrained fear of human equals danger. And you can sit right by the, the marine iguanas and you can sit right by, you know, sea lions and all these giant tortoises, they don't care. That's amazing. And that connection or swimming with baby sea lions and stuff like that, or just this, wow, there's a place on Earth that isn't like everywhere else where there is this, I don't know, Edenic kind of existence. It's, it's harsh, the life in Galapagos, but it's that ability to connect with this nature, this natural world. That's amazing. That's still something that I would seek whatever I do in life. 
it begins with our destination. So if we're operating in somewhere a special, unique, overused word, but it can be used for Galapagos with all its endemic species that are very, very vulnerable, and everything's about nature, everything's about the wildlife. If that's our starting point as an operator, I don't, you know, I don't know if we were operating a, you know, a fun park. Maybe our philosophy would be different. But in our case, that's our golden goose. That's our resource that we have to look after for the future. And I think that applies also for the mainland in Ecuador, where there's a huge abundance of nature, there's a huge amount of biodiversity that we need to look after, and that people are coming to see. People are staying in our lodges. They're staying with us in order to see that nature. So if you if you begin there and say, well, okay, so our long term, if this business is going to work, we're you know 70 years in now. I think we've done it pretty well. The stewardship is maybe a word that I would look at. You know, sort of like how how we've kind of conceived of if we aren't good stewards of this natural environment. In the case of the Galapagos, then. You know, we're not going to be around as a company 20 years later. I think it's really pertinent and it's very tangible in the Galapagos, whereas maybe other companies, the impact of what they do badly won't be felt that immediately or obviously. But in the Galapagos, a tiny bit of plastic on the beach where there is none is really obvious or an oil slick as a mega disaster because it's so pristine you know a ship that's belching out dirty diesel is really obvious and the steps that are taken to mitigate that both from private companies and through the national park there is still an amazing national park which is our best resource from which we can continue to have a good business Sustainability nowadays, I would say, has a more social component to it than it did at the beginning when it was more environmental. But we, the fundamentals of taking care of our environment using four-stroke engines in the Galapagos, often very practical things. Single-use plastics have been banned in the Galapagos. Our company, back in the 90s, took a decision not to help finance more conservation or science. There's a lot of that going on. Other companies are helping the Charles Darwin Research Station, etc. And we wanted to look at the what are called brown issues, so everything to do with waste. And we helped set up the recycling plants in the biggest town in Galapagos and then handed them over to the municipality, to the city. And they're still going today. And they have some of the highest, the highest rates in all of Ecuador for, for recycling in the Galapagos. So it's a commitment that we've been part of for, for a long time, but born fundamentally from the only way we're going to be a good bet long term for our shareholders is if we look after that that natural resource. And now today we've been carbon neutral. Uh, nobody told us to be carbon neutral. Hopefully the Galapagos National Park will start insisting on it. In our case, it's us deciding this is the best thing to do. We have a very visionary main shareholder who's said, right, we've got to move. So we've been carbon neutral since 2017 and trying to be responsible with you know, that impact that we do create through the flights to the Galapagos Islands and then the itineraries that we have on board the ships. And we have a whole program on the western side of the Andes where we have our lodge, but there's a much, much bigger reserve around that lodge. And that's where we are continuously expanding that reserve in order to make sure we're sequestering the carbon, offsetting the carbon that has been produced by our operations. I think everybody's got the choice and I, I understand, you know, why people would say I can't get on a long haul flight anymore. 
I think we're working on a whole carbon neutral platform so that at least someone could feel better about, okay, I'm going to get in this plane, fly across the world, I want to make sure I'm offsetting that carbon, and I think we should all begin to look at things that way. In the case of how we run our carbon program, the forests where we work, they're highly biodiverse forests. They're exceedingly under threat. It's called the Chocó, this kind of region by region that runs from Ecuador into Colombia and a tiny bit of Panama. In Ecuador, there's only about 5% of it left. It's a race against time. If we can't buy up or make agreements and protect those forests, they'll be gone. So I understand how people can have their reservations about travel. And in our case, you will contribute, if you do a typical program with us around Ecuador, you will contribute about $25 because of the carbon you produced to helping us protect that forest and work with the surrounding communities. It's what you are doing on the ground that actually really matters. I've just come from a big luxury travel fair and I'm disappointed in how few businesses are. We're a little old company, a little old Ecuador, that some of the bigger UK, US, I haven't seen them really stepping up to you know, we're 100% carbon neutral, exactly, you know, and you can be very, and more as transparent as possible. Many of them are, I think it's great, but, but we've got a long way to go still. That was Dominic Hamilton, director of comms at Metropolitan Touring. Dom's colleagues and the leadership in Metropolitan have successfully campaigned for the expansion of the Galapagos Marine Reserve. They've also led on the island's largest private investment in alternative energy. Find out more about how they're taking responsibility while inviting you to join them for the journey. Head to metropolitan-touring.com. That's all for this week's Eureka. Listen out for plenty of news and views as COP27 wraps up. Thanks to Monocle24's team who've been reporting from Sharm this past week. And do catch the main Entrepreneur Show every Wednesday at 2000 London time. This programme will be back at the same time next week. Today's edition was mixed and edited by Jack Dewars. My thanks to him as ever. And thanks once again to Dom and all the Metropolitan Touring team. That's all for now. Goodbye and thanks for listening to Eureka. Thank you.